from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. The perfect place for the do-it-yourselfer. I'm Charles Denny. Are you a do-it-yourselfer when it comes to growing food or fixing things? University of Tennessee Extension might have some classes that would interest you. That story coming up on Ag Day. Forecasters say we're in for an El Nino winter, but does that really mean more moisture? It's just about every corner of the ocean's unusually warm. We have a look at what the important weather pattern could mean for farmers and ranchers as cattle prices see some big drops. Numbers are getting tighter. The bottom line on what the meltdown means right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when experience meets expertise. Pioneer. What's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Cattle prices collapsing last week after a new USDA report raised beef production forecast for next year. Some contracts seeing losses in the $5 to $7 range on Thursday. Ag Day's Michelle Rook has been looking into the big drop and Michelle has the run up in cattle ended. Many market analysts tell me this is still a routine correction in a longer-term bull market driven by record-tight supplies. However, last week's chart meltdown in cattle futures was spurred by massive fund line liquidation and profit-taking, as well as lower cash. And the market has had a huge correction from the record highs hit in mid-September. February live cattle futures hit a contract high of 196.60 on September 19th and corrected more than $23 from the high to the recent low. January feeder cattle hit a contract high of 268.50 on September 15th and also corrected nearly $45. Now the correction came on a combination of factors. With funds big long in the market, they started liquidating and taking profits due to macroeconomic concerns, but this week's lower cash trade and the bigger numbers indicated in the October cattle on feed report have also played a role. Finally get your bearish nugget of extra numbers on feed and big placements, uh, you know, due to a lot of reasons. Uh, reason number one, you've got uh, a cow-calf guy that uh, has a lot of money in front of them and they're interested in selling these calves now because they want to cash in while this market's hot. So big placements last month, we're probably going to get them again on this report. So there has been chart damage done with key support areas taken out in both live and feeder cattle futures, but the drought-stricken supplies are historically tight, giving market experts optimism that cattle markets may not see much more downside pressure. The supply fundamentals are, are pretty clear that numbers are getting tighter. Uh, we're going to continue to see strong support across cattle markets. We have had this significant correction. I think that'll play out here, uh, but it doesn't really change the fact that we're getting tighter. And so we'll see strong support for cattle prices through the end of the year and into next year. The other factor to watch will be beef demand. With the higher prices and the higher U.S. dollar, beef exports are down 14% so far this year versus 2022. And according to USDA data, retail prices for beef just hit $8 a pound, topping the previous record of $7.90 during the pandemic. So those could serve as headwinds for the market moving forward. I'm Michelle Brook reporting for Ag Day. And meat processor Tyson is announcing that it's closing two more plants. The Case Ready meat facilities are located in Jacksonville, Florida and Columbia, South Carolina. 
and the closing of the Jacksonville plant will impact over 200 employees. It is a state cutting operation. The last day of operations is scheduled to be January 8th. In another cost cutting move earlier this year, Tyson announced six chicken plant closures. It also laid off 250 workers at its plant in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Great weather this weekend across a good chunk of the country, hopefully help finalize harvest. Will farmers have more chances this week though? Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht has a look ahead. Yeah, we're gonna get a, a couple of rain chances, but very specific to location. The pattern that we've been talking about all last week is gonna set up this week, which means we're gonna get this big hole regarding rain chances in across the plains, as well as the Dakotas, which could help finish up some of the harvesting. Now there are gonna be some rain chances and extreme rain possibly uh, carrying over from the weekend into this week, back down here for Gulf Coast states. Uh, the next piece of energy that we're following in the jet stream, right along the west coast as we bring in some moisture through california oregon and also into washington so again there's a precipitation forecast for the next seven days go ahead and take a look at your screen try not to smile at this look at those hands in the air waving them like he just doesn't care why should you Brittany? sending this one in little farmer living his best life out of wisconsin they're capturing it on camera they're saying he just turned 18 months and is so big Love to see that. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Meteorologists looking ahead to the winter weather season are forecasting an El Nino weather pattern to be strong this winter and even remain active well into spring. Now it's hoped El Nino could help wipe out drought in key growing regions since the system often leads to stormy weather patterns across much of the U.S. Now here's a look at the seasonal precipitation outlook from NOAA. It shows below normal chances for rain or snow in the northern Great Plains and Michigan, while in the south, above normal chances. But there are several things that can influence weather patterns during El Nino winters. One thing we will be watching this winter is the fact that very warm ocean temperatures are across the board in place across the Atlantic and Pacific basins. Just about every corner of the oceans unusually warm. And that's in addition to the warmth that we see with El Nino across the central and eastern equatorial Pacific. So it is possible. We have already seen some influences from that warm ocean 20. water. No, One of those yes, in the summer of 2023 and the fall of 2023 has been greater than normal hurricane activity in the Atlantic Basin. The latest drought monitor shows 37% of the nation is facing some sort of drought. That's down 22% from this time last year. Happening later this week, President Biden is scheduled to meet with Chinese President Xi Jinping. The two leaders meeting Wednesday in the San Francisco Bay Area on the sidelines of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit. The White House saying last week the two leaders will discuss the continued importance of maintaining open lines of communication along with a range of regional and global issues. The two last met face-to-face -face back in November of last year in Bali. The Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and Chinese Vice Premier He Lifeng met last week in San Francisco. It represents the latest in a string of senior level engagements between the nations in recent months. While a new Black Sea shipping corridor apparently remains open for Ukraine, an incident is raising freight costs. It comes after a Russian missile strike on a Liberian flagged civil vessel entered the Odessa region. Spike Brokers Company mentioned on social media platform Telegram that due to the Russian missile hitting a cargo ship, sea freight rates have risen by $20 per ton. 
There's also been a decrease in the number of ship owners willing to load their cargo in Ukrainian ports. Now, Odessa port facilities have come under Russian attack 21 times since August. Corn and soybeans going in opposite directions at the end of last week. We'll take the latest price pulse coming up next in Markets Now. And later, some hands-on learning for all ages with Tennessee Extension in the country. Ag Day is brought to you by Lamar's Toy Store, the largest and most diversified farm toy store in the U.S. They have new and old and do restorations and customizations too. You need to see it to believe it. Visit lamarstoystore.com or call us at 712-546-4305. It's one of the biggest costs for farmers, the seed. And a new chart from the Economic Research Service shows a significant rise in the cost of seed over the past 30 years. Take a look. The chart shows that from 1990 to 2020, the average price that farmers paid for all seed rose by 270%. Now compare that to the prices farmers received for crop commodities, which are up 56%. Now for crops planted with genetically modified seeds, which is there in blue, those prices rose an average of 463%. You can see it peaking there in 2014 at 639%. Now, despite their higher costs, GM crop varieties have helped farmers make significant gains in production, partially through higher yield, but also in lowering overall farm costs, especially when it comes to reducing the need for insecticide applications. That bearish supply and demand report continued to weigh on the markets at the end of the week. Michelle Rook is back with a look ahead in Markets Now. Joining us for Markets Now, Tom Fitzsimmer with Summit Commodity Brokerage. And Tom, now that we've got the WASDE reports in the rearview mirror, let's talk about the week ahead here. South American weather still is going to be pretty dominant, isn't it? Oh, I, I think absolutely it's going to be dominant. And, you know, it's obviously, is it going to rain? Is it going to rain? Or is it going to stay dry down there? There's some forecasters calling for some improvement in the end of November. So that's going to be important. And then, you know, the next step to that is whether that's going to translate to better uh, export demand for our soybeans and corn. I, I think you saw last week, China stepped an unknown step up for some pretty decent quantities of soybeans. And uh, I think the trade's kind of watching to see if that eventually doesn't happen to the, to the corn market. If, if you get some concerns about Delay bean planting, pushing back the potential planting dates on Safrina, uh, which could, could hurt the yields for that, too. So, uh, yeah, there's not a lot else to talk about. The USDA kind of enlightened us on yield and acreage and all that last week, made some little adjustments on the demand side. Uh, so I, I guess we're going to have to see into the end of the year um, the impact of South America. If, 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 you, if you wonder whether that's important or not, Look at what's happened in the meal market over the last few weeks. And ever, ever since you saw that crop disaster in Argentina, it's thrown all this export demand into the meal market and it's got meal making new, new contract highs all yeah. the time here. So uh, it's, it's certainly impactful. Uh, they swing pretty big stick down there in terms of the, uh, the, the soybean and corn markets. So uh, the, you can see why the trade's watching it so closely. So, Tom, if we do not see better weather in South America, how explosive or how high could prices get? The soybean side, we've already factored in to some extent with that dollar dollar ten rally we had over the last month or so. Um, 
But if China China does come in and step more step up to buy more as a sort of inflation or hedge against the crop problem in South America, um, I don't know. It could get interesting. Certainly, fourteen plus is a possibility. All right. Thanks for joining us. I'm Fitzhenry Myra Summit Commodity Brokerage, and that is Markets Manual. We'll have more activity coming up. Precipitation outlook going forward and moving to the deeper part of November, the second half of November. And what you're kind of seeing is a ridge of high pressure over the United States. That's why we have below normal or normal, if not just below normal precipitation back up into the Dakotas and Minnesota. As we come back down here to the south, there's going to be some disturbances coming off of the Gulf of Mexico, one or two that could give us some wet weather along the east coast. This map looking a little bit different as the pattern that we had last week that we've talked about for this week starts to break down next week kind of going on a, a week by week basis what isn't changing all that much in the next couple of days and into the weekend uh, the above average temperatures all across the united states uh, where there is a pocket of some showers could see some cooler air as well uh, into southern california and los angeles as for that the full jet stream so we went through the weekend starting to set this system up. There's your Saturday or your past Saturday and Sunday. Here's Monday. So today, tomorrow and Wednesday is when that ridge really starts to take hold. And we'll get a brief disturbance. You see this little half you right here. And that's that Gulf Coast system that we were just talking about the last couple of days. And then another piece of energy back up onto the West Coast by Wednesday and Thursday uh, isn't able to go through the ridge. So it's going to track kind of like a, a weak clipper system more up here to the north. The stronger this ridge is uh, the more shallow this trough will be. So that's Friday. We're going to be watching this all week long, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, because that's when our next rain chance will start to move in. That's also where some of those cooler temperatures will start to come in as well. As for your temperatures uh, coming up in the morning hours, back down into uh, some of the 30s and the 20s with those morning temperatures. But for the most part, everything is going to be warming up. Myrtle Beach, partly cloudy on this Monday, 63 degrees, low of 45. Got Montana high around 59 degrees, low of 34. And Livingston, Tennessee, sunny, 65, low of 38. Hey, Machinery Pete is rolling out the latest auction prices for Baylor's. We have that next, and later we'll get hands-on with some extension training in Tennessee, in the country. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com. Replenishing the country's hay stocks has been a challenge this year as Machinery Pete shows us getting the right tools for the job is going to cost you. Hottest sector in the used market right now? Well, of course, the used tractor market's been on fire, no doubt about that. But after that, you know, I'd probably say good condition used hay equipment. Now, just recently here, I've seen a couple of really nice round balers ring the bell at auction. October 28th on an auction in Chase City, Virginia by my friends at Jason Acock Auctioneering, this New Holland Roll Belt 450 with 955 bales through it sold for $37,400. Now, Jason actually sent me a video of it. You can watch that sell on our Machine Repeat YouTube channel. The 37.4 record price there had clipped a record that had just been set a month before September 26th on a consignment auction in Leola, Pennsylvania, where this New Holland Roll Belt 450 went for $36,000. 
Now that same day the record was being set on the New Holland 450 in Virginia, I was in Kentucky, Winchester, Kentucky, filming a farm auction by Taylor Auction Company where this very, uh, very nice John Deere 569 round baler, 2,450 bales through it, sold for 38,625 bucks. And that's the seventh highest auction price the past five years on a 569. Now, five days after that, November 2nd, the great team at the Steffes Group had an online farm auction in Russo, North Dakota, and they sold a pair of 21 model John Deere 560M round balers, and they went for 55.5 and 55,000 bucks, two highest auction prices ever on 560Ms. And oh yeah, let's not forget the small square balers. Back to that sale in Kentucky I filmed October 28th, this John Deere 348, a one owner baler with only 300 bales through it, amazing. So for 30,680 bucks, all time record high auction price on a Deere 348. And that broke a record of 26,000 bucks, which had just been set April 1st in Kingdom City, Missouri. All right, thanks Pete. Well up next, getting a hands-on lesson from Extension in Tennessee. We'll take a tour of their in-house expertise and the real life lessons they're teaching in the country. Extension offers in-person instruction on topics ranging from gardening to mechanics to animal care. Charles Denny of the University of Tennessee shows us the do-it-yourself learning that can happen when you get your hands on something. There's curb appeal and then some in Patty Dial's front yard in Franklin. She has a muscadine vineyard to grow fruit for jams and hot pepper jellies. The Williamson County Master Gardener has also hosted classes taught by UT Extension in her vineyard and enjoys sharing her land so others can learn. I hope they just understand that it, it can be done and that it takes a lot of work and it takes some dedication. There's just always a lot to learn. I never stop learning. The classes Patty took and hosted are part of a hands-on focused curriculum for UT Extension. Based on the surge in the homestead and do-it-yourself movement, there's everything from mechanics to horticulture to food preservation. Anyone can look up a YouTube video on any topic, but you really learn by getting your hands on what needs to be handled. Taylor Reeder has taught gardening classes at Patty's Place. When you talk about pruning, whether it's grapes or apples or blueberries, we can talk about it and we can show pictures but actually getting out here and letting them hold some snips and showing them where to prune, I mean, that just expands the knowledge, that expands the training and learning and just adds so much to it. UT Extension in Williamson County started these classes 15 months ago with 700 people now taking part. And when you sign up, you get a full year of instruction. <laughs> Doug Burney teaches poultry care and egg production to 4-H'ers and their parents, a topic that gets a lot of interest. And the popularity of raising poultry, folks deciding this is a project we can do together. These are values that we can learn um, about how to raise our own poultry, have our own supply of eggs. Doug can also help you with chainsaw safety and maintenance. Some of the very basic things that folks can learn is, you know, how to simply, you know, remove the bar and take a chain off mm -hmm. and put a, you know, put a new chain on. Maybe they've gone and purchased a new chain or maybe they've taken it somewhere to have the chain sharpened. And with these classes, a chance to sharpen your skills. 
You've perhaps heard the modern saying, there's an app for that. With extension, there just might be a class for that. A wide range of choices, learning in person, using your hands. This is Charles Denny reporting. All right, thanks Charles. Now before we go, we want to say goodbye to a very important part of our team. Andy Miller has worked here at Ag Day and Farm Journal for the last decade. Now he's edited some 2,700 episodes and worked on countless other projects for us. Andy's leaving to take another job, but he will be missed by the entire team. Thanks, Andy. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day. I'm Farm Country.